Welcome to the Living Rock Podcast. Good morning, everyone. It's really, really great to be with you this morning. Um, I'd like to start by reading some scriptures. So if you've got your Bibles ready, um, I'm just going to start with John chapter 3 and verse 1. Um, And it says this. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are teacher from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Second scripture I'd just like to turn to is in Luke 18, and just picking up in verse 15, it says this, Now they were bringing even infants to him, that's Jesus, that he might touch them. And when the disciples saw it, they rebuked him. But Jesus called them to him, saying, Let the children come to me, and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And the last scripture is in Matthew 18, and just the first four verses says this, at that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them and said, truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of God. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom. Now I'm hoping that you've already spotted the theme there of those three scriptures, because in each case, Jesus is talking about being born again, becoming children again, and um, growing as children, receiving the kingdom as children and and growing in that kingdom. And um, that's very much what I'd like to talk about this morning, is how we enter into and we grow in the kingdom of God. If we just go back to John 3, I just want to pull a few things out of each of the scriptures we've read. The first of which is this man that approaches Jesus called Nicodemus was described as a ruler of the Jews. He was a member of the Sanhedrin, which was the ruling council, the religious council of Pharisees and Sadducees. Nicodemus was a Pharisee and obviously a senior one. And I think Nicodemus would represent the wise and learned of society. This is uh, one of those people who was considered wise and learned in his community and yet he saw Jesus at work and knew that Jesus had something that he didn't have. So he comes to Jesus at night, perhaps because he's embarrassed to have to ask questions considering his position. And um, I think the interesting thing is, is that Jesus responds to him when he says, look, I don't understand these things. You're obviously God is with you. He says, look, unless you are born again, you can't even see the kingdom of God. In other words, you can't perceive and understand the things of the kingdom of God unless you are born again or born from above in some translations. And then Jesus says uh, to Nicodemus, um, Truly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, you can't enter the kingdom. In other words, you can't see the kingdom, but you can't enter into the kingdom unless you are born of water and the spirit. He's talking about natural birth and he's talking about a spiritual birth. And the last thing he says is this, 
That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. And what's interesting about that is that um, if you turn a, a little bit further on in the chapter, we've got one of the most famous verses in the Bible, which is in verse 16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Now that word begotten, it's a biblical word um, that we see, but it's not used in everyday language anymore. And to beget or to be begotten, to, to beget something means to produce, to father something of the same kind as you. So as an example, um, as a human, I can, fa- I can father, I can beget another human. Um, a cat can beget a, another cat or a cow beget another cow. But a human cannot beget a cat any much as a cat can beget a cow or a cow beget a human. In other words, you can only beget something of the same kind as yourself. And that word begets really important because the principle that Jesus is giving to Nicodemus in verse 6 is this. Look, only flesh can come from flesh and only spirit can come from spirit. In other words, God is spirit and his kingdom is a spiritual kingdom. And Nicodemus, you cannot come into that kingdom unless you are spiritual. You cannot produce anything of the kingdom unless you too are spirit. And the only way to do that is to be born again. And then in in Luke 18, in this instance, we've got people bringing their children to Jesus and asking him to bless them. And um, the disciples are rebuking people saying, keep keep the children away from Jesus. Uh, And I think the really interesting thing here is that they they were assuming that um, God's business, that that Jesus's ministry was just for grown-ups. It didn't involve children at all. And you know, that just isn't true. The kingdom of God is for children and adults alike. But Jesus is using that to teach us a really important principle. And in verse 16, he says to them, let the children come to me, for to such belongs the children of God. It doesn't belong to the adult. It belongs to the children, he's saying. He's not saying it doesn't belong to adults. He's saying that there is something about children that enables them to receive the kingdom. And that's why he says in verse 17, Whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. He's talking about a childlikeness, not a childishness. And for all of us, we need to come with childlikeness in order to receive the kingdom. I believe Jesus is also using the language of inheritance. He says, for to such belongs the children. Now, when I talk about what belongs of mine to my children, I am talking about what they will inherit from me. So in order to inherit the kingdom of God, we need to be childlike and then we can receive that inheritance. And the third scripture that we turn to was in Matthew 18. And in this case, the disciples are asking Jesus, you know, it could be easy to uh, read this scripture and say it's a bit bolshy of them, isn't it, to talk about being the greatest. But, you know, what they are doing, really, I believe, is asking Jesus, how do I become a a success in this kingdom of yours? How Do I make my way in this kingdom? How do I become great in this kingdom? How can I do great things for you, for for God? And the really interesting thing is that the first response, Jesus' way of responding to the question, the first thing he does is to call a child over to himself. And he points to the example of a child again. And then he says in verse 3, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. 
So again, he's talking about childlikeness. But the interesting thing for me is he uses the word turn. Jesus is using the language of repentance now. He's saying you've got to turn from one way of doing things, one way of thinking to another way. And you need to turn and become childlike. Whoever humbles himself like this child will become the greatest in the kingdom of God. And what Jesus, I believe, is saying is that um, they were all grown-ups that he was talking to. He's saying, look, everything you've learned, you've got to give all that up. That's your way of thinking. That's your way of, um, of living. But you've got to humble yourself and become like a child again and learn again. So I believe these three scriptures, when put together, are teaching us something really important about how we come into the kingdom. But not only that, how we grow in the kingdom of God. And that is a lifelong lesson for each of us, wherever we are in our journey of renewal in the kingdom of God, um, that, that uh, growing and growing in the right way will be really important for us. So there's just four principles that I'd like to pull out for us from these these four scriptures, uh, these three scriptures combined. The first principle is, is that of rebirth. So we read uh, in chapter three of uh, John's gospel that um, Jesus was saying to Nicodemus that he needed to be reborn or born from above um, to have spiritual life. And the important principle that we said there was that um, Jesus is saying only um, spirit can beget spirit. In other words, Nicodemus, you need to have spiritual life within you in order to produce spiritual life or to take part in a spiritual kingdom. And that's really important for us because no matter how hard we try, we cannot experience spiritual life unless we are spiritual. Unless, in other words, we have spiritual life within us. And the fact is that when each of us were born, we were born with a spirit that was dead. Paul puts it this way. He says, before we came to Christ, we were dead in our sins. In other words, the spirit within us was dead. Our spirits were dead because Adam and Eve became separated from God through sin. And every single generation that's followed them has been born in that spiritually dead and separated state. The great news is that Jesus came to um, restore us to how we were meant to be, to be reborn spiritually. And what happens when we are born again, when we're born of the Spirit, is that this Holy Spirit comes to live in us. And as Jesus himself says, that uh, I and the Father come to make our home in you. In other words, the, the indwelling presence of God comes into our hearts and brings spiritual life back to us. Suddenly we're alive again in our spirits. And when the Holy Spirit does that, he brings the seed of Christ into our hearts. So that's the process of rebirth. The second thing is this, is that we then begin a process of relearning. Now, when each of us were born, we had to learn from being small children to adults how to live in this world. We were taught things. We went to school, etc., and it's true to say that mankind has grown. Mankind has made progress in science and technology and learning, that there's lots of wisdom in the world. But mankind has done that solely um, separated from God. Mankind has done that largely being separated from God. In other words, he's grown in his own wisdom, but it's purely wisdom of the mind and it's limited to the things of the flesh. 
He's not grown in the wisdom of spiritual things as God had intended him to do. When Adam and Eve became separated from God in the garden, when sin came in and separated uh, humankind from God, it didn't stop the progress of humans. It didn't stop men and women growing and learning about the world in which they live. But now they learnt about it purely on the level of the flesh, purely on the level of the physical and through the mind. And the unfortunate thing about that is that mankind has kind of matured, it's kind of grown, but it, it's matured into a, a sort of a man-child, if you like. A man-child is someone that's grown up um, to all outward appearances, but is still immature in the important things on the inside. And anyone that's a man-child can be dangerous to themselves and to others. And I believe that that's what mankind is. Mankind has grown into a maturity, but it's a maturity that's separated from God. It's doesn't incorporate God's wisdom into anything. And therefore, that was never God's intention. God's intention was that in the garden and in um, the Garden of Eden, that um, in that garden that Deborah spoke about a few weeks ago, man uh, and woman were placed in there in order to grow and to mature and to mature into the maturity of Christ. Now, what does that mean? Well, it means that all of the cosmos, all of creation was made, as Paul says to the Colossians, not only by Christ and through Christ, but for him. In other words, God used Jesus as the blueprint for all creation. And there's a maturity in Christ that mankind was destined for. We were made in God's image. And although Adam and Eve were formed, fully formed as adults, if you like, they were still immature. God's intention was that he would teach them and they would learn to come into the maturity of Christ. What that means is that they would come into um, a maturity of who God intended them to be. Now, what does that mean for you and me? Well, God has a fully grown version of you that he has in mind and always has had before even you were born. And in order to come into that fully grown and mature version of you, you have to have Christ within you. It's the seed of Christ that enables you to get there. It doesn't mean becoming a robot, and when we say Christ-like, just becoming like Jesus and not like yourself. It means becoming the best version of you that you can be, the most capable version of you that you can be, using all the potential that God put in you in seed form when you were born. You only unlock that potential when the seed of Christ comes into you, and you uh, grow into the maturity of Christ. It was God's intention for Adam and Eve, and it remains God's intention for every single person living on this planet today. So when we start the process of relearning, we not only mature in that way, but we have to learn, we have to relearn to um, think about the world very differently. Because the way this world works, the principles on which it is founded, the purpose that drives the world is very different to that of God's kingdom. When we come into the kingdom of God, when we're reborn, we have to relearn the principles of God's kingdom and understand how the world should work in order that we can progress that and get on board with God's agenda instead of the way we were living our lives previously. That's the second thing. The third thing is reframing. Now, when Paul wrote to the church in Rome, he says in uh, chapter 12 and verse 2, he said, 
don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your minds. Now, what Paul is saying is this. He's saying in this process of relearning, your minds have been shaped by the world in which you have grown up. They've been shaped by worldly principles. But that means that the way that you view the world, the way that you would frame the world, the way that you see the past, the present and the future will all be framed by worldly principles and a worldly way of thinking that is devoid of God's wisdom and God's perspective of how things happen. So reframing is about how we think the world works and how we frame the world around us. Let me give you an example. When I was, um, when I was a boy, I was, um, uh, one of my parents uh, became a Christian when I was uh, about five years old. Uh, and for that, from that point onwards, I had two parents, one that was uh, a believer and born of the Spirit, and one that was an unbeliever and not born of the Spirit. And each of them taught me principles, but different ones. Um, my parent that was saved taught me the principles of the kingdom but my other parent that wasn't saved just taught me the things that they had learned the principles of the world and it was only when I became a Christian and when I was born again that I could see those spiritual principles that I received from my believing parent and I understood the principles that I'd been taught and I made them my own in other words I understood them by faith and then from that point onwards, it started to reframe the way I thought about the world around me. One of the things I think is really important for us today is to understand that there is a narrative of life that is always being thrown at us. You're listening all the time to other voices, be it people around you, be it in the um, broadcast media. But there is a narrative about what is going on in the world, um, how this world works uh, and the future and purpose of this world. And we have to be careful that we don't accept that narrative as believers, that instead our narrative is shaped by the word of God and by the Holy Spirit speaking to us, that these two things together, the Holy Spirit speaking to us and through the word, that that shapes the narrative that we believe, that shapes the narrative that we're willing to accept in this life. It's a very important thing because if we don't frame things in God's narrative, then our thinking will be shaped by worldly narratives and by the way the world thinks. So reframing is really important and it's a process because it's very easy and subtle to have our thinking shaped by other things. And we have to come back to God. We have to come back to the word of God and say, Lord, let my mind be renewed now. Let my thinking be transformed so when I became a Christian and started to see those principles that I'd been taught, I started to think differently and I started to have a completely different view of how the world works and most importantly, my place in that world. The fourth thing is this, and this is kind of coming to the, the crux really of what I want to say, and that is that we go through a process of relying on God. So we, we start with rebirth, we begin the process of relearning. That means that we then um, reframe the way that we see the world. But fourth, fourthly, we learn to rely on God. And this, in some ways, it becomes maybe the hardest thing of all for us. It's learning to trust 
him in every single area of our life. And when I said earlier that the seed of Christ uh, is placed within us when we're born of the Spirit, Jesus lived his life for us on this earth, completely reliant upon God the Father. He has lived like that for all eternity. He's completely reliant on the Father, completely trusting of the Father. So when Jesus comes to live in us and we start to grow into the maturity of Christ, what that looks like is learning more and more to trust God the Father completely and utterly in the same way as Jesus himself does. We learn to depend on him and to rely on him. When I was a kid and and I went to Sunday school, we used to sing this song, which was trust and obey, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. Such a simple song, but it really says everything. Trust and obedience are like two sides of the same coin. And throughout all of the scriptures, you can read faith in and faithfulness almost interchangeably. The journey of Israel um, through the Old Testament is always um, a pattern of trusting in God and being faithful to him or not being faithful to him because they didn't trust in God. So trust and obedience go side by side. If you find yourself struggling sometimes to obey God, I would suggest to you that the root of that problem is because you're not really trusting him. The more you trust him, the more you will do the things he says. And that that goes for all of us. So trust and obedience is a two-sided coin. And that means that there's a divine design for our lives. And that design, divine design is for us to grow into maturity. And that means growing into dependence upon him and not independence. So the lie that Satan told Adam and Eve in the garden is that they didn't need God, that God was restricting them and containing them because he didn't want them to become like him. So Satan said, throw off those restraints and you'll become like God. Become independent, make your own way, your own choices, rely on your own wisdom and you'll have success. And of course, the opposite was the truth, wasn't it? So the world, uh, one of the worldly principles that I was talking about earlier was that we would raise children to be independent. In other words, independent is equated with maturity. But actually in God's kingdom, it doesn't work that way. In God's kingdom, dependence is maturity. In other words, to grow into maturity, we become more dependent on God. And the more dependent we become on him, the more capable we become to do things through him. So as believers, we raise our children to become independent of us, but to become dependent upon God. It's good to be independent of our, of our parents and to learn to, to fend for ourselves and, and, and to look after ourselves. But as believers, we know that that is done most successfully when we become fully dependent and reliant upon God the Father. And that's because we become conduits for all that God wants to do. Think about the pressures that come with adulthood and with maturity. There are pressures of life that come upon us. The more reliant we are upon God, the more we become a conduit for that pressure. That pressure doesn't settle on us, but it actually lands on him. And when it lands on him, he can take the pressure in our lives. The same uh, goes for how we love people around us. We can't love people in our own capacity, but if we become conduits for the love of God, 
then we can go far beyond the capacity that we believe we have. All of our God-given potential is unlocked. The more reliant we become upon him, the more trusting we are with every single detail of our lives. You know, when Paul writes to the Romans, he says, um, we are more than conquerors. And the next thing he says is this, through him. In other words, we become more than conquerors when we rely upon him. That is the only way to live. So we've got four principles of the kingdom here. Rebirth is necessary to bring the spiritual life into us. Relearning is necessary to learn to think with a kingdom mindset. Reframing is important so that we don't just accept the narrative that's been given to us, but we see the world as God sees it. And in some respects, most important of all is that relying upon God is the process of maturity. It's the answer to all of our challenges and troubles. Rely upon God and see him move through us. I just want to thank you for listening today and hope you enjoy the rest of your day. God bless. Thanks for joining us today. Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching.